0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. And I'm going to be talking this week about how prayer can change your life. You know, there are six things that God says that we must do in order to have our prayers answered. So let's jump right into it today, and let's see what we need to do to get our prayers answered. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to pray if God's not answering. I'm not going to pray if God's not listening. And so one of the conditions that we have to have our prayers answered is you have to have faith. You must believe. Faith is the key that unlocks the door through which our prayers are answered. You know, sometimes the situation is so big and the problem is so overwhelming that it's hard to have faith. So the question is, how do I have faith when I'm feeling like I'm in a faithless situation? Well, Romans 10:17 tells us that where faith comes from, it comes from the hearing of the word And the word comes through the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here we see that that word that is used there is the word rima in the Greek. And it says that we get faith by listening to the word of God. So if you wanna build your faith, it's simple. Fill your life with the Bible. And the more Bible knowledge that you have, the more faith you're going to have. The less you know about the Bible, the less you're gonna have faith. You know, it's a specific kind of Word of God here. It's called the Rima. Now, how do you pray about your problems and your and your difficulties? You know, I have a book on my shelf at my office, and it says there are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Now, as you think about all these promises, uh, they are just waiting to be received. Can you imagine getting to the end of your life, and you're going up to heaven, and you realize there are so many prayer requests that you never offered that God wanted to answer? There's so many promises that he wanted to fulfill, but we never asked. Listen, if you want to have a dynamic prayer life, you got to understand the promises that God has given to us. You must grab onto these promises and uh, every verse that God gives us in his word, every problem that we encounter is answered by the word of God. So the more promises you know, the more powerful you will be praying. So the question is, why don't the promises always seem to work? You know, I remember one time uh, many years ago, I-, I was praying that I would get a date with a beautiful young lady. And uh, we were students together in college, and-, and she caught my eye. And I prayed uh, for the right time, and-, and I claimed in Jesus' name that this girl would say yes when I asked her on a date. It took me a while to muster up the courage, and I finally asked her if she would go out with me. And you know what she said? She said, no. Well, why didn't my prayers work? Why didn't the promises of God work? Well, I'm not sure why it didn't work in that case. I think uh, that it was something that the Lord didn't want me to have. You know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. And in Greek, there are two terms used for the word word. There's logos and there's rima. You see, whenever you hear that phrase, the word of God, you've got to make the distinction, is this talking about the logos of God or is this talking about the rima of God? You see, the Logos is the word that is given to everybody, part of the Bible that's given to everybody. That's the Bible. Uh, Everything from Genesis to Revelation, uh, those aren't hidden. Those are given to all of us. Uh, Things like the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the 23rd Psalm, Uh, these are words that God gives to everyone. It is the fountain of that second type of the word, which is Rima. The word Rima, it means it's a personal, specific word, a, a personal promise that is given to a specific person at a specific time, for that time only. Now, we can only claim the promises when it is a rima to us, when it is specific to us. Now, I want to talk about how that works and how we can tap into the rima promises of God. Now, you know the story of Sarah. Sarah was Abraham's wife. One day, God came to Sarah and said, now, Sarah, you're going to have a baby. Now, there's nothing unusual about this, except uh, she was 75 years old and her husband was 99 years old. Now, that's incredible when you think about it. This was a specific word to her. God didn't say, everybody in the nation of Israel, every woman of the nation of Israel, when they reach the age of 75 or they reach the age of 90, uh, 99, they're going to have a baby. That was a specific word. That was a rima for Abraham and Sarah. Now, getting a personal promise from God is, I believe, the key to understanding how God moves. It is also the key to understanding how you can receive the miracles that God wants for you. As you think about praying personally, as you speak to God personally, then you can act on it. And when you speak to Him personally, He responds to us personally. John 15, 7 says this, if you continue to abide in my word, and then you can ask for whatever you want. And then it will be yours. So you got to continue in the Rima. That's the word that God speaks to us. Uh, That's not talking about the Logos here. If you abide in my word, the word that I have for you, that personal word that I have for you, if you continue in that specific word, then you will have your prayers answered. Do you remember the story where Peter was walking on the water? Peter gets out of the boat and all of his disciples, and it's the middle of the night, and then Jesus comes walking across the water. And Peter says, Lord, call me and I'll come. And, and Jesus gives Peter a specific word, arima. And as you think about this, he says, now, Peter, I want you to get out of that boat. On that arima word, he says, get out of the boat. Now, as we look at this, that was a very specific word. Now, don't read the book of Mark and read about Peter walking on the water one day to figure out if you can walk across the water in your swimming pool, right? Don't work on the rima given to somebody else. We get into trouble when we try to force a general promise to everybody. And if you look at the whole of God's Bible, right? The whole of God's Word. And I talk about people who read a verse maybe on healing. And they say, well, God healed them. Therefore, God must heal me. So they pray and they believe and they have tremendous faith. But in spite of their faith, nothing happens. You know, not too long ago, I was making a hospital visit and and I was there visiting somebody who was uh, not doing well, and and as I was praying with this individual and praying for uh, the family, there was another person that came into that room, and and we prayed together, and uh, and and as we prayed, it, it was kind of unique in how we prayed differently. Okay, uh, as I'm looking at this individual, I began to pray, and I, I wasn't sure, uh, in my heart of hearts, I, I felt like this person's condition was terminal. I felt like the Lord wasn't going to raise this person up. And I didn't say that to the family. So how I prayed was much different than the other individual. I prayed, Lord, would your will prevail? Would your will be done in this person's life? And Lord, whatever that may be, I pray that his mom and dad and his family will be okay. And then the other person prayed, and they prayed with great determination that God was going to raise up this person. But Well, unfortunately, uh, that person passed away. And I got thinking about that. I said, as we're thinking about this, maybe sometimes it's not God's will to bring that ultimate healing. Sometimes God's ultimate healing is allowing us to pass. You know, if you've lived a full life and uh, and you know that you know Jesus as your Savior and you have got a good, solid relationship with everybody in your life and, and you're at the end of your life, I think uh, sometimes it's it's God's will that we just go on home. You know, when we look about how Satan tempted Jesus, for example, Satan tried to get Jesus to buy into a false promise. Now, Jesus is out in the desert, and then Satan's out there with him, and Jesus has gone 40 days without eating and drinking, and and so Satan says, well, Jesus, why don't you just jump off the temple because the Bible says God will take care of you. Now, you know, your feet aren't going to smash against the rocks. God is going to take care of you. Now, that wasn't faith. That was presumption. There's a general promise, and that general promise is that God will take care of you. Uh, That's like reading the verse and then going home and and getting arsenic and drinking it. God hasn't promised to take care of me if I drink arsenic. Uh, There's a general promise. Now, in order to understand how prayer works, you must understand, uh, as God is moving in our lives, He speaks two ways, right? He speaks generally through the Logos. He speaks personally through individuals, uh, through a personal thing that's called a Rima, And as we think about this, God answers prayer, and He speaks to me personally. In John chapter 14, the principle that I'm trying to share with you today is really a powerful process that I believe will will help you to understand God's will. It is the key to helping you make difficult decisions. It is the key to having the faith that you need when you find yourself in a hopeless situation and knowing how God speaks personally. You know, the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit's duty to take the Bible and to make it apply to us personally and to make it to come alive. So let's look at John chapter 14. We're going to look at a few passages today that I think will help spread light on this. Uh, John 14, 26 says, But the Counselor, that's talking about the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So here we see this is the duty or the description, a job description of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is to teach us and to remind us. And I'm so glad that he does both uh, because I don't know about you, but I need a lot of reminding, right? Uh, because I tend to forget things. And so the Holy Spirit not only teaches us, but he, he He reminds us of everything that has been said. John 16, 13 says, but when he, talking about the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So in these two verses, we see that Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit are three things in our lives, and they're teaching us, they're reminding us, and number three, they're they're guiding us. It's it's the Holy Spirit's job to make the Scriptures apply to our lives personally in a dynamic way. In other words, He takes the Logos and He turns it into the Rima, and there's two ways of saying that word Rima. I go back and forth, Rama or Rima, uh, and I've heard it pronounced both ways. So if you see me going back and forth on it, uh, I I think it's Rima. Uh, and so as we look at this, uh, here is the job description of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is to teach us, to guide us, and to remind us. Now, there's nothing magical that is happening here. Uh, this happens all the time. It happens to you, it happens to me. Maybe you're, you, you've are you been in a church service where the pastor is giving a message, and all of a sudden you feel like he's speaking to you directly, and you feel like nobody else is in the room, and you wonder, how does this guy know how does he know what my problems are? Has he been, like, sneaking on my Facebook page? Or, uh, he, he, No, he hasn't. The number one statement people ask me after church is, how did you know that what you spoke on today was exactly what I needed? You know, my human nature would say it's just because I'm a super-knowledge human being. I'd no, not be lying. That'd be a, a kind of comical. Uh, what it is is because it's a simple fact that as I deliver the Word of God, and this is a neat thing, it's, it's not so much the person delivering it, You know, God can speak through anybody. God spoke through Balaam's donkey. Uh, Certainly, He can speak to anybody, but as the Word of God is proclaimed, as the Logos is proclaimed, it turns into the Rima Word, and it applies to our lives. And so, when you think about this, God has something that He wants you to learn today. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you need some guidance, and you're talking to somebody... And, and you just, you don't know what to talk to this person or or give this person some counsel and you're talking to them about maybe a personal problem. And, and you're thinking, well, I wonder how I can help this person. And all of a sudden a scripture pops into your mind at just the right time, just exactly what you needed to say. Now, how did that happen? Well, God gave you a Rima. The Holy Spirit gave you a specific word for a specific time for a specific situation Now, God does this all the time, and if we would get into God's Word, God's Word will speak right back to us. Somebody says, when I pray, I'm communicating with God. When I read God's Word, He's communicating with me, and that's where I get the Logos, and that's where I get the Rima, and so I want to encourage you to spend time praying and in God's Word. Well, let's go through and ask the question, well, how do I know whether is God giving me these impressions Or these are are impressions that are coming from somewhere else. Well, here's the first thing. Number one, when God gives you these impressions, it is always going to agree with the Bible. You see, God never contradicts what He's already said. So, if God gave you an impression with something that doesn't square up with the Bible, you can be assured it's not from God. I had a guy one time said to me, "Well, I believe it's God's will for me uh, to leave my wife and have an affair with this other woman." And uh, he was married, had a few kids. And, and I said, I can guarantee you one thing. And I says, I can promise you that is not the will of God. It can't be the will of God because it is contradicting his word. It is a violation of scriptural principle. You know when it's God's will because it squares up with the Bible. And secondly, you know it is God's will because the scripture all of a sudden comes alive. It takes on new meaning. It becomes dynamic. It becomes exciting, right? Now, let's say to you, uh, let's say that I'm in a church service, and, and I say to our congregation, man, I just love you. And that's true. I, I love my church. But in general, that word is to a large group of people, right? Uh, we're all together, and it's given in a very general sense. But let's say that my wife is also sitting there, and I see her over in the front row, and, uh, and she's part of a group that's sitting there in the front row. But, but I go to her, and I whisper in her ear, I love you. So as you think about that, that's a bigger deal, right? Uh, That would be the Logos is a general word to everyone. Hey, I love my church family. I love the members of our congregation. But then when I whisper in the ear of my wife, I love you, all of a sudden, it is a direct revelation. (laughs) It is a direct reaction. Uh, Hopefully, her eyes will light up, and hopefully, her heart will start to pump. Well, I hope so anyway. And all of a sudden, that Logos has become a Rima. I didn't say anything different. I just said, I love you, and she was included in the first one, yes, but all of a sudden it got personal and took on a whole new meaning. You see, that is the secret to answered prayer. Now get this, it became a rima, a word to her specifically. You see, that's what happens when we are converted, we become Christians. How many times did you hear before you became a Christian that God loves you? You must have heard it at least a hundred times, God loves you, and And we see signs all over the place, Jesus loves you, God loves you. And so it kind of can be like water rolling off the back of a duck. God loves me. Wow, God loves me. And then all of a sudden it hits me. God loves me personally. You know, of all the hangups and the faults that I have and all the bad weaknesses that I have and the bad attitudes and the frailties and the fears and the problems, God loves me. You know, I understood that it changed my whole life. I was born again. I was converted, and I grow dynamically in my faith, and I grow aggressively in my faith when I realize just how much God loves me. You see, one of the results of getting the Word of God, a personal promise, is that you get a personal rima, and that transforms your life. It produces faith. Faith comes by the hearing of the Word. Well, as we look at these answers to our prayers— We've learned that whenever I pray, I can know that it's the will of God because it agrees with the Bible. I also know that I know it's God's will because something awakens within me. But let's look at specifically, what do we need to do to see prayers answered in our lives? Well, here's the first one. We must confess any known sin. You say, well, God knows everything that happens in my life and God knows exactly what's happening in my life. But is there a bad attitude that you need to confess? Listen, God knows about it, but you still need to confess it. Now, the Bible is very clear. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. So number one, we've got to confess any known sins to our lives, and this will free up the communication lines. Number two, commit the decision to Christ. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will bring it to pass. You see, you don't go out and try to figure it out on your own. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. You're not leaning on your own understanding. You are acknowledging Him and He brings it to pass. Acknowledging Him in all of my ways and He brings it to pass. Now, you look at this and you say, Well, God, I've got this big problem. I'm facing this huge decision. And, uh, and you're not sure what to do. So what we tend to do is put ourselves in the driver's seat. But instead of doing that, just put yourself in neutral and keep praying until you get your way through that situation. You say, Lord, whatever you want is fine with me. If you want it, I want it. If you don't want it, I don't want it. Now, that's the attitude that Christ is looking for. As a matter of fact, that's the attitude that Jesus had when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember that? Before he went to the cross, he said, Not my will be done, but thine be done. You know, he wanted to have that cup pass from him, that cup of crucifixion. But he says, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And maybe you're looking at your life and says, Well, I don't know what to do. I don't know which direction to go through. That's when you say, Lord, I am surrendering even what I don't know over to you. Uh, So we've learned so far that we've got to confess any known sin. Number two, commit that decision to Christ. And then number three, Ask God to reveal his will by giving you a desire. Now, after you've got your desire out of the way, you can honestly say, God, I'm willing to go either way. As you think about that, that's sometimes difficult, uh, but you say, God, help me to know what you want by giving me a desire one way or another. You know, the Bible says that God gives us the desires of our hearts. When we surrender our will over to him and we say, not my will, but yours be done, and we confess our sins so there's no blockage of the communication lines, then we're able to ask God to change our desires, giving us the desire to do what He wants us to do. You know, a lot of times God is in our desires. You know, He can direct us with Spirit-controlled desires. Now, if you're trying to do what's right, your decisions are going to be in line with Mark 11, 24. Whenever you pray, whatever you desire, whether you have received it or not, you shall have it. Uh, That's a promise that is given to us. Now, how do I know this? And how do I get this wisdom that I need? James reminds us that we must ask of God, and he will give it to us, and he gives it to us generously. You say, well, God, give me the right desire. And as you are praying, Lord, give me the right desire to do the right thing. And you're facing a difficult decision And maybe it's a problem. So first thing you do is you confess your sins and you get right with God. And then the second thing you say, okay, Lord, I want to be in harmony with you. And not only am I going to confess my sins, but I'm also going to spend a few minutes committing this decision to you, asking you to give me this wisdom that I need. And then I'm going to ask you, Lord, give me the desires to do the right thing. Lord, give me the desire to do the right thing. Why? Because Philippians 2.13 says, it is God that works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. He can give you the desire. Now, how do you know the desire is from God? One good test is the the desire is time. One way in which you can tell if a desire is from God is you you sit on it for a while and and you say, God, if the desire is from you, make it stronger as time goes on. If the desire is not from you, then take it away. Ask God to do that. It's a legitimate request. Well, number four, if we want to get our prayers answered, we must compare our desires with Scripture. You see, now that you have a clear desire, you start reading the Bible, and you see if it's in tune with what the Bible says, and the Spirit leads us, and the Spirit will never lead us contrary to the Bible. uh, He's not going to contradict His Word. If my desires feel opposite to the Bible, I know it's not right. It's called a spiritual screening, I guess. It's like you have this grid of the Bible, and then you pray and you check it out to see if it squares up with the Bible and what the Bible teaches. And if you don't know the Bible, how are you going to do that? That's why it's so important to know the Scriptures. If you don't know the Scriptures that well, just check it out with your pastor and say, Lord, as I meet with my pastor and as we get together and say, this is my desire, just as you meet with me, your pastor and says, what does the Scriptures have to say? about this. So check it out. See if there's any conditions or any restrictions that the Word of God has for you in that matter. In James 3.17, we actually have eight tests that you will apply to know if an idea is from God or not. And this is just one of that number of tests, but the wisdom that comes from above, from heaven, is pure. James 3.17. Now, that's just the first one. Is this a pure desire that I have? Or is it a tainted desire? Is there a hidden motive with my desire? So James gives us a list here. Is it pure? Number two, is it peace-loving? Number three, is it considerate? Number four, is it submissive to God's will? Number five, is it full of mercy? Number six, is it good fruit? Number seven, is it impartial? And then number eight, is it sincere? These characteristics you can check out. That's James 3.17. This is the way you can know if my desires are right. Here's the fifth thing you got to do. Number five, Listen for God to give you a personal promise. This is the Rima. Listen for God to speak to you. You don't just go to the Bible and pick out a promise at random. You've got to go into the Word and He says, well, God, what is the Word that you have for me? Don't just be very random and like, let the Bible fall apart. Uh, just flop it on the table and stick your finger on a verse, right? <laughs> and, and I heard about a guy that did this one time, and he put his Bible on the table, just opened it up, and he said, "Whatever wherever I point my finger, that's going to be God's will. And so he opened up his Bible, and he put his finger on the word uh, as it was opened, and the word says this, Judas went out and hung himself. And he said, well, that can't be right. I'm not going to go out and hang myself. And and then he did it again. He said, well, let me move my finger randomly another place. And then he said, go thou and do likewise. But that couldn't be right. So he tried a third time, and his finger came on the word, whatever you do, do quickly. Now, that's the kind of results you're going to get if you skip through the Word and you you force yourself to try to apply to that situation. So listen for God to respond as you are going through and discovering the Rima will of God for your life. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you. And uh, I want to invite you to join me tomorrow as we're also going to be carrying on this subject of prayer and our broadcast tomorrow, we're going to be looking again at this subject of prayer. And so we're going to be talking about how you can know your prayers are going to be answered. And so thank you so much for joining me today. If I can pray for you, please let me know how I can pray for you. And I'm going to give you my phone number so you can shoot me a text message, okay? 252-267-2365. 252-267-2365. And if you uh, need anything, please shoot me a text Thank you so much for listening to this broadcast. If you'd like to see or listen to any of the other broadcasts, there's actually a link on our church website. Just go to Hickory Ridge Community Church. I Google it in Chesapeake, Virginia. It's hrcc7.org. And then just go under the tab that talks about ministries. Scroll down to Hope for Your Heart. And then you can listen to all the broadcasts that we have posted there. Thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.